everyone. I'm Debbie Roberts, owner and financial advisor at Property Apprentice. Join us today for the Week in Review, where I talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Our topics for this week, topic number one from Stuff on the 16th of October, not wanting to catch a falling knife, why we hang back from buying until market bottom has passed. Second topic from Good Returns on the 18th of October, investors show market return. Third topic from Stuff on the 17th of October, will the new government provide easier path for mortgage borrowers? Fourth topic from News Hub on the 18th of October, house prices bouncing back, apartments and townhouses lagging behind as market heats up, trade me. Fifth topic for this week in review from Stuff on the 18th of October, high density properties are dropping. Is now a good time to buy? So first up, from staff on the 16th of October, not wanting to catch a falling knife, why we hang back from buying until the market bottom has passed. The best time to purchase a house in New Zealand is typically when the market has hit its bottom, according to the recent ASB Housing Confidence Survey. In this survey, a notable change in sentiment was observed. While last quarter, a net 34% of respondents expected house prices to continue falling, in the latest survey, only a net 8% expected further declines. Flynn residents appeared the most confident, as they didn't anticipate any more price drops and were the most optimistic about the market, with a net 12% believing it's a good time to buy, compared to the national average of a net 65%. The South Island, on the other hand, had a more negative outlook, with a net 3% still considering it a bad time to buy. Historically, sentiment tends to improve after house prices have already started to rise. Prospective buyers and sellers face a complex situation with reduced risk of overpaying for properties, but high interest rates making debt management challenging. ASB economist Nathaniel Keel advised prospective borrowers to budget for the current interest rates remaining for the next year to 18 months. He also mentioned that the market is slowly warming up with shorter property selling times, although the recovery is slower compared to 2020 and 2021. In recent months, Auckland house prices have outperformed the national average, rising by 2.8% since the market's low in the first quarter of the year. According to CoreLogic Chief Property Economist Calvin Davidson, sentiment improves as prices rise due to the fear of not wanting to miss out on a good deal and the influence of mortgage rates, which are at or near their peak. Infometrics Chief Executive Brad Olson identified three key drivers behind the, chip, the shift in sentiment. These include the discussion of factors pushing house prices higher, such as net inward migration, which encourages people to buy before prices escalate further. Rising house prices have also boosted sentiment amongst buyers as households see the potential for gains. Additionally, the recent rapid increase in interest rates and the uncertainty surrounding future rate hikes have contributed to the perception that now might be a better time to buy. Despite the improved sentiment, housing affordability remains stretched and potential actions by the Reserve Bank, such as further interest rate hikes or the introduction of debt-to-income limits in 2024, could affect the housing market's trajectory. Second topic from Good Returns on the 18th of October, investors show market return. Over the past two years, there's been limited bank mortgage lending to investors. Nevertheless, the latest survey conducted by Tony Alexander's Mortgage Advisors reveals that investor inquiries have reached their highest levels since late 2020. 
a net 24% of mortgage advisors report an increase in inquiries from investors. Notably, this figure is consistent with the previous month, indicating that the surge in investor interest is not a mere blip in the data. This current scenario is distinct from the months since early 2021 when tax regulations for investors underwent changes. Regarding bank lending to investors, advisors' feedback is as follows. Limited changes, especially regarding the election. Adjustments in the value of rental income have decreased, but actual interest rates and insurance costs often surpass the shaded allowance. Loan-to-value ratios, or LVR, remain at 65% for existing investment properties, 80% for new builds, and 80% overall for both owner-occupied and investment properties. While inquiries from investors are steady, many investors abandon their applications after reviewing the financials with their accountants as they find the numbers unworkable or are unwilling to make up the difference. And see, now this is where a good financial advisor can help you in that process as well, just saying. In the first home buyer market, a net 59% of the 75 survey participants report an increase in inquiries from first-time home buyers. This indicates that the influence of young buyers on the housing market's upturn is not diminishing, and it might even be strengthening. Regarding banks' willingness to lend, the most notable change in perception occurred earlier this year. Since February, there hasn't been much change, with a net 32% of advisors reporting that lenders are becoming more willing to provide funds. A few selected comments from advisors on bank lending to first-home buyers include difficulty in obtaining pre-approvals for high loan-to-value ratios or LVRs exceeding 80%, impact of interest rates and margins on serviceability. Some banks have adjusted surplus requirements for lending over 80%, and are incentivizing higher cash contributions for first-time buyers. Banks are exploring different ways to assist clients within the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act, or triple CFA compliance, each with its own interpretation. Loan servicing criteria are slowly easing, but it remains challenging due to test interest rates hovering around 9%. Tony Alexander notes that borrowers have come a long way from the credit crunch of late 2021, where a significant net percentage of mortgage advisors reported reduced fund availability by lenders. Lastly, a net 37% of advisors report an increase in inquiries about refinancing. This trend has been consistent since March, likely influenced by rising mortgage rates, especially for those transitioning from record low short-term fixed rates secured during the early pandemic period. Want to learn more about investing in property? Join me at one of our free events, How to Succeed with Property Investing. I'll discuss strategies for successful investing from my perspective as a financial advisor, available live online or in person. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. We don't sell property, so it's all about increasing your knowledge to reduce your risk. If you've already been to one of our free events and you'd like to find out more about how we can help you to reach your financial goals, You can also book in a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website. That's propertyapprentice.co.nz. Third topic, from staff on the 17th of October, will new government provide easier path for mortgage borrowers? The National Party's electoral victory is viewed as a positive development for prospective home buyers, according to mortgage brokers. The party, poised to assume government leadership, 
has pledged to reverse alterations made to the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act, the Triple CFA, which was introduced in late 2021. These changes compelled banks to delve deeply into borrowers' spending habits, ostensibly to protect them from loans that they might not afford. However, these measures sparked criticism for going too far. Some borrowers received rejections for seemingly trivial reasons like excessive spending on pets or being on maternity leave or having too many copies. In some instances, prospective buyers lost pre-approvals just days before property auctions leading to missed opportunities. While the rules were modified in the past year, more than once, eliminating the need for banks to scrutinise living expenses and exclude savings and investments from expenditure calculation, the National Party aims to further narrow the scope of the triple CFA. The New Zealand Banking Association CEO, Roger Beaumont, mentioned that the numerous adjustments aimed to address unwelcome consequences for borrowers. These frequent changes necessitated adjustments in lending policies and staff retraining. Banks under the current regulations lack the flexibility to assist customers during natural disasters or personal circumstances. Mortgage advisors expect these changes to simplify banking operations and allow them to make independent lending decisions. They argue that the previous legislation was poorly drafted and primarily impacted the wrong segment of the industry, not its intended target, which were loan sharks. While some triple CFA rules were already relaxed in recent months, further rollback would be welcomed by the industry. Lenders suggest that the legislation should primarily target loan sharks, not banks or the majority of non-bank lenders. Some borrowers face issues when they need to hold property through a trust or company for non-bank lending purposes. Altering ownership structures can trigger the Brightline test, resulting in higher fees and interest rates for non-regulatory lending. Rolling back the legislation is expected to simplify lending for most borrowers. However, David Cunningham, CEO of Squirrel, emphasises that the most problematic aspects of the triple CFA have already been addressed. He highlights that high interest rates and servicing rates imposed by banks post the biggest credit constraints at the moment. He calls for a review of the triple CFA's penalties regime to align it with the scale of customer harm. In summary, the National Party's win is seen as an opportunity to further amend triple CFA, making it more business-friendly and customer-oriented. Fourth topic for this week in review from News Hub on the 18th of October, house prices bouncing back, apartments and townhouses lagging behind as the market heats up. Trade me. House prices are rebounding as we move into spring, but this trend doesn't apply to townhouses, apartments or units which are experiencing declining prices. According to TradeMe's recent property price index, the national average property asking price increased in September compared to August. This marks the second consecutive monthly increase, indicating a resurgence in New Zealand's property market. Gavin Lloyd, the sales director at TradeMe, noted Aotearoa's property market is showing signs of recovery as we enter the warmer months. While prices have decreased from their peak in 2021, they're now stabilising. Buyers looking to capitalise on this market upturn might consider acting, as we head into the summer, a time of heightened demand. However, when compared to September of the previous year, the national average asking price is still down by 6.2%. 
This situation is expected to change as well-funded buyers enter the market before prices experience substantial increases. In contrast, apartments, townhouses and units are experiencing declining prices across Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch cities. The most significant decrease was observed in Christchurch's apartment market, with a 16.2% drop in the average asking price. Lloyd pointed out that townhouses and apartments are attractive options for younger and first-time buyers, making the declining trend in Christchurch of particular interest to potential buyers. Auckland and Wellington also present opportunities for apartment seekers. Smaller houses, particularly one- to two-bedroom dwellings in Auckland, which are down 11%, and Wellington, down 4% year-on-year, are also experiencing price reductions. Nevertheless, prices in Wellington are beginning to rebound after experiencing significant drops in recent years. The Wellington region as a whole has witnessed a modest recovery except for Porirua, where prices declined by 1.2% year-on-year. As for Auckland, prices remained stable, with a slight increase of 0.2% in September. Fifth topic from Stuff on the 18th of October High-density property prices are dropping. Is now a good time to buy? Now is a prime opportunity for those desiring high-rise living as high-density properties have seen a decline in advertised prices across New Zealand. Nevertheless, it's essential to note that this dip may not last. According to the September edition of TradeMe's Property Price Index, apartments, townhouses and units in Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch have experienced a decrease in their advertised prices. The most significant price decrease was observed in Christchurch's apartment market, with the average price falling by 16.2% to $652,700. Prospective apartment buyers in Auckland and Wellington might also find this as an opportune moment, as the average asking price in Auckland has fallen by 7.5%, and Wellington's seen a 10.2% drop, according to Trade Me Property Sales Director Gavin Lloyd. Additionally, smaller homes are becoming more affordable, with one- or two-bedroom residences in Auckland declining by 11% and in Wellington by 4% year-on-year. Data from CoreLogic New Zealand's Head of Research, Nick Goodall, indicates that these trends extend to median sale prices, but there are indications of prices beginning to rise again. In Auckland City, the median sales price for apartments is 550000 representing a 6.5% decrease compared to the previous year, but a 16.2% increase from the recent low of 473500 in April of the current year. Wellington reports a median sales price of 545500 In Christchurch, the median sale price stands at 515000 Goodall suggests that while prices appear to be heading back up in Auckland and Wellington, the trend in Christchurch is moving in the opposite direction. He notes that these trends may align with the broader market and the recent lack of sales in Christchurch. Higher density housing options offer an attractive entry point into the property market and there's been a noticeable increase in the number of such options being approved and constructed. As the population grows and interest rates reach their peak, it's expected that the market, including higher density housing, will experience modest growth. The Trade Me Property Price Index reveals slight signs of improvement in the overall property market. The national average asking price for a property increased by 0.4% in September compared to August, maintaining the same rate of increase as in August and currently sits at $840,050.
buyers interested in taking advantage of the market may find the upcoming summer months to be a favorable time, as demand typically increases during this period. Based on the current market trajectory, buyers with available funds are in a favorable position to capitalize on these conditions before prices experience a more substantial increase. Elections can bring around changes in government policies that can directly impact the property market. It also means that we may be looking at a period of increased financial stability. If you want to learn about potential policy changes that could affect your investment decisions, join me at one of our upcoming free events called How to Succeed with Property Investing. As an experienced property investor and licensed financial advisor, I'll be sharing valuable insights and expert tips to help you on your journey. Our free events cater to all levels of property investors and first-home buyers. I'll also tell you more about how we help our clients to achieve their financial goals. So if you're interested in finding out more about what we do, visit propertyapprentice.co.nz today to secure your spot and register for one of our events. Alternatively, book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, through our website. And if you're a client of ours, if you're needing help, remember to reach out to your coach. Thanks for listening.